Remote learning can be challenging, but remote banking shouldn't be. Parent Trapped from Common Sense Media is brought to you by First Republic Bank, committed to providing you uninterrupted service today and always. Learn more about First Republic Bank later on in this episode. My eight-year-old has a favorite thing to do when we're outside. I like climbing trees because when I climb trees, it's just like I just think about climbing trees. I don't really think about anything else that's going on, and it gives me a space to just think. What kind of monster would keep this girl away from trees? I guess me. I hate when she climbs trees. In olden times before the pandemic, I'd be super worried. I learned to worry from my caring but overprotective immigrant mom. I worried that my kid would slip and fall, but I would let her climb and just look away. You wanna come down? Yeah. Things are different now. These days, if we're taking a walk outside and she wants to climb, I stop her. Sure, there's no one around, but what if someone exposed to the virus climbed the tree just a few minutes ago? Not likely, sure, but what if? And what happens if she does fall? This isn't a great time for a trip to the ER. Ever since the pandemic changed everything, there's been so much to worry about. Even the simplest, most joyous childhood things can send us into a panic. So how do we deal with that anxiety? And how do we not pass it on to our kids? From Common Sense Media, I'm Anne-Marie Baldonado, and this is Parent Trapped. Today, we'll get some coping strategies for worries big and small. We'll hear from a clinical psychologist who works with kids and families. He's got some great tips you're gonna wanna use probably every day. Then who wants to laugh? We'll give you some recommendations for comedies to watch with your kids. And we'll leave you with a weird little way to de-stress. Who's stressed? Okay, we've established that I feel anxious all the time. And I know I'm not alone. There are real dangers out there, like sickness and loss, and we don't know when this will all end. So what do we do to shake this fear and anxiety? Look, I can't make you less anxious. That's, that's fallacy. Dr. Dave Anderson is a clinical psychologist. And although he can't magically take away the anxiety, he's actually going to help us feel a little better. Dave's the Senior Director of National Programs and Outreach at the Child Mind Institute, an organization that focuses on the mental health of children. They're working really hard right now helping kids and families during the pandemic. What I can do is say, how can we use the best of whatever psychological science had to offer before this to apply it in unprecedented uh, kind of crises like this one? We, we kind of surrender to the fact that we don't have control. We don't have control through the uncertainty. Now, I feel like I'm anxious to begin with, you know, and I've always kind of worried that I'm passing on that anxiety to my children. And I'm afraid I'm doing that even more now. This is a big question, but how can we work to not pass on anxiety to our children? Right. And so this is the thing. I mean, one of the things we say to parents is do your best. So if you're anxious, if you're feeling those feelings, 
when we talk to children, it's okay to own the fact that we ourselves are feeling a little bit like that. Like my three and a half year old knows that I'm nervous about his grandparents on both sides. I'm nervous about older members of our family. I'm nervous about, you know, members of our family who have uh, medical conditions that make them more vulnerable to this crisis. He knows that well. And, and there have been, you know, a number of times where I'm amazed at his maturity and asking me if I'm okay. So in that sense, it's okay to show some emotion. What we try to tell parents is, you just don't want to be having this conversation with your child about what's going on in a completely overwhelmed state. You know, we're trying to be at least somewhat regulated in that conversation. And then when you do have that conversation, it's about taking a just the facts approach, validating the fact that, you know, they may be having emotions and then opening up space for their questions. So like with young kids in the midst of the coronavirus, it's that our speech to them may be, listen, you know, it's kind of unexpected, but you won't be going to school during this time. And we're all staying at home with our families in the hope that we can keep a sickness from spreading and we can also protect the people who uh, might get most sick if, if this happened. And, you know, kids ask all kinds of questions. The, the reality is from that speech, most young kids, elementary school age and lower, are not consuming their own news per se. So that's really what they're going to get as a narrative. And you can commonly get a couple questions like them asking if anyone they know is going to die or something like that. And what our answer to that is that everyone's doing their best to make sure that everyone stays well. You, you want them to know that this is why we're washing our hands and we're staying away from other people and things like that. And then what you know most kids do is they, they kind of pivot back to themselves when they're young. So it becomes, am I going to get sick? You know, are you going to get sick? Is mommy going to get sick? And those are ways where we can pivot back to kind of our safety practices and the fact that we're all going to try to get along and get through this together. You're currently giving workshops on helping parents, helping people deal with issues of anxiety. Can you talk about just a couple of pointers for how to handle that anxiety? Of course. So we're hoping that we can convey right off the bat is that perfectionism and the coronavirus don't mix. Our job is to breathe. Our job is to focus on, you know, things that are the most basic health and wellness practices that we can. Focus on getting sleep. Focus on eating at regular times. Uh, focus on getting exercise, at least at some level. These are basic wellness practices that everyone downplays in terms of their significance, but they are really significant in keeping mental health going at this time. We then focus on structure structure in any way, shifts during the day between parents, uh, trying to make sure that you have times where you're really reserving yourself for play with the kids, trying to reserve yourself for work, trying to reserve yourself for household tasks or cooking or, or things like that. So those are the basics. And once you've worked on that stuff, there's the extra credit, the kind of stress management practices Dave does with his patients. We ask people to do certain exercises, but then we ask people to Check in with themselves. We ask them to create appointments on their phone for five or six moments during the day where you check in with yourself about the emotion you're having, level of intensity that you have it, and just kind of what the situation is. And we ask them to collect data on themselves you know, so that we can kind of figure out like, where are the peaks, where are the troughs, where are the points of intervention in any given daily rhythm right now during the coronavirus crisis. We might be able to apply some strategies. And then the next three exercises that we really focus on with people are in those troughs, can we insert a small activity at times that you find fun or that's physical exercise or that's social uh, or that involves, you know, service, uh, either, you know, that, that category as well, in, in an effort to kind of boost your overall mood in that moment and, and baseline in general. Uh, are there ways we can talk back to our internal monologues right now? So that, that strategy is complicated, but it's one that breaks down to you have a situation, 
and you commonly interpret it in a certain way. And if we can stop ourselves in that moment and say, wait a second, does my partner really mean this? Is this really what they're telling me right now? And, or am I interpreting it through maybe the lens of my own stress? We practice that muscle of trying to kind of like stop some of our automatic stress-related reactions to situations and how we interpret them. Then the final exercise, we try to get people to look at those troughs and say, how can I practice mindfulness and acceptance? You know, I can't control this particular thing. So how can I just taste my sandwich? You know, I can't control this particular thing. So maybe I'll just take two minutes to just close my eyes and focus on my breathing. You know, I, I can't control this particular thing. So maybe what I'll do is I'll just listen to one of my favorite songs and I'll just let Stairway to Heaven wash over me for seven and a half minutes or whatever it is and see what effect that has. Dr. Dave Anderson is the Senior Director of National Programs and Outreach at the Child Mind Institute. To read more about how to not pass on anxiety to your children or how to handle it when all that together time leads to a huge family blow up, go to childmind.org. So the actual running time of Stairway to Heaven is eight minutes and two seconds. Good on you, Dave, for picking a long song. Now, if you're looking for something to just completely distract you from your fears and worries, how about some comedy? In a minute, we'll talk about what to watch with your family after you've seen every episode of Parks and Recreation. Stay with us. Support for Parent Trapped comes from First Republic Bank, committed to providing you uninterrupted service and support today and always. Take care of all your banking needs from the comfort of your home with a First Republic mobile app. Deposit checks, make transfers, and monitor your balances anytime, anywhere. You can also message your banker directly from the app. Learn more at firstrepublic.com today. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. And we're back. One way my family likes to take a break from reality is by watching episode after episode after episode of a TV show that makes us laugh. I've got a 12-year-old and an 8-year-old, and the challenge is finding a show that works for everyone. But Polly Conway has some ideas. She's senior TV editor at Common Sense, and her job is basically to find great family-friendly TV shows. She joined us from her home in East Oakland, where there were birds chirping and a cat fountain gurgling in the background. I'm going to reveal that what I'm personally really interested in, Polly, is finding a show to watch with my kids now that we've finished all of Parks and Rec and <laughs> all, the, all the Brooklyn Nine-Nines that are out. That's what I want now. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, what I've been doing is just going right back to the beginning and pressing play on episode one of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> right. Um, right. But if you don't want to be in a content loop, uh, it's not healthy. Uh, I do have some more ideas. <laughs> Would you recommend the other shows that were made uh, by Mike Schur, one of the people behind those shows? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I love about Mike Schur, um, and that really works for this time is that his worldview is positive. And even though these shows are silly and ridiculous, people are just really striving to, to be good and do good things. Um, I mean, there's no better example of that than The Good Place. But if you don't know about The Good Place, it's a show where people 
who have died go to this place called The Good Place. And the main character is not a good person and knows that. Those aren't my memories. I wasn't a lawyer. I never went to the Ukraine. I hate clowns. There's been a big mistake. I'm not supposed to be here. Wait, what? And definitely has value uh, rewatch-wise because there's so much kooky stuff in the background. It's generally just as appropriate as Parks and Rec and Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and it's it's a lot of fun. And it also takes place not on Earth, which is a great place to be right now. <laughs> right. Yeah, the other thing I like about these shows, mm-hmm. like you were saying, everybody's really kind to each other. Mm-hmm. Their casts are diverse, you know, Um like a good value system. I will say that B- The Office, another like favorite show that people plow through, is like not they're not always <laughs> as nice to each other on that show. <laughs> um, but uh, but still, yeah, these shows sort of share that like great ensemble thing. Now, I remember back when my oldest kid was younger, and I wasn't sure when to make the transition from cartoons and kids' educational programming to live-action shows, shows that, you know, I would watch as an adult or that I felt like older kids could watch. It's like the transition from Paw Patrol to live-action or even like a Disney sitcom. For sure. I mean, I think one thing that makes it a challenge is that there's a little bit of a dead zone. Um, After all of the amazing preschool content, it's like, okay, and now Game of Thrones. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Totally family appropriate. (laughs) You're right. Um, There's not a ton of amazing, wonderful content for the 7 to 12 age group. Um, And so I'm always looking to highlight the best stuff that that is in there. Um, But it's hard. I think when kids are ready to move on to some more mature stuff, they'll let you know. And I think there are a lot of really cool transitional animated programs. Things like Adventure Time and Steven Universe are, you know, silly and kooky and quirky, but also deal with some really big stuff. You seem to have made a series of miraculous recoveries, but that doesn't change the fact that you experienced trauma. You've recovered physically, but have you recovered mentally? You think there's something wrong with my brain? And... You know, kids really love those because they're still watching cartoons, but they're being introduced to characters that are dealing with challenges. And it's not so much of like a learning educational experience. It's more of a social emotional educational experience. Um, I also really love Avatar and Legend of Korra. They Mm. are based on sort of a, a fantasy world where characters are given powers that are based on nature. It's it's an adventure show. It's a hero's journey kind of stuff. Prince Callum, today we focus on the art of... Art! Finally something I'm good at. Sorry? Sorry? Won't interrupt again. Please, uh, continue, Soren. The art of defense is critical in sword fighting. They're beautifully animated, really great stories, and I think they're all available on Netflix right now. The newest one is called The Dragon Prince, and they're all sort of in the same family of animation style and story style. What about animation for older kids? It's always sort of a a liner. Somebody's going to feel weird at some point. Um, Right. So that's the challenge with watching stuff like Bob's Burgers or King of the Hill, which is a show that I love. I know a lot of people, you know, really love The Simpsons. 
asleep and the kids are still having fun at the park with Grandpa. We're alone. <gasps> so sometimes, you know, there's some edgier stuff in there, but of course every family is different. You know, some people are sensitive to violence, some people are sensitive to bad language. Um, but I think there's a lot to be said for, you know, I fell in love with King of the Hill a couple of years ago, and I used to think that was just, I just hated even looking at it. And then I started watching it, and I was like, these characters are wonderful. <laughs> King of the Hill is a little bit of an older show. Um, kids might not know that much about it, but it's about a Southern family, uh, two parents uh, and a son. Maybe he's right. I can't do this. And Bobby Hill is just the, the greatest character of all time. Sure you can, Bobby. Just remember, to catch a fish, you have to think like a fish. Hmm, I'm wet, and I don't even know it. So I think that even, you know, shows like Bob's Burgers, which are, you know, wild and silly, that yeah. they have heart. And I think that that's really important. That's also, you know, huge in the Parks and Rec world, is that underneath all of the, you know, teasing and joking is there's just a lot of love between families and friends, and that's really comforting to watch right now, too. Polly Conway is senior TV editor for Common Sense Media, where you'll find guidance on what shows are appropriate for what age. That's at commonsensemedia.org. So what shows are you watching with your kids? Tweet them at us with the hashtag ParentTrapped. Before we go, we've got one more de-stressing strategy for you, and it comes from Iceland. Now, I've never been there, but when I think of Iceland, I think of breathtaking landscapes and nature. And that's exactly what this little coping tool is all about. Yes, there's quite a bit of research about the health benefits of going for a walk in the woods. They call it forest bathing. It has benefits for stress, uh, high blood pressure, depression, even the immune system. My name is Thruster Eistenson. I'm the director of the Icelandic Forest Service. If you find a tree that you want to hug while you're, out, while you're walking in the woods, that's good for you too. And here we are, full circle, trees. Because it makes you smile, and smiling is good for you. You're, you're still in contact with a living thing. Don't just go to the nearest tree to give it a hug. Go off the beaten path. Find, find your own tree, you know. Don't hug the tree that everybody else has hugged. <laughs> Please, if you're going to be tree hugging, practice safe tree hugging. Also, Thorster says to watch out for trees that might have thorns. And don't be too rough with your hugging. Stick to bigger trees that look strong and sturdy. Use good judgment, then hug away. Every, every, every hug is personal. So you have to just, you know, hug it your own way. And it does make you feel good. <laughs> Do you think you would hug a tree? Depends on the tree. Because, like, if it's a tree that I know a lot, like my, the tree in my backyard, like Astrid, the tree in my backyard, um, then I would probably, then I might hug it, I don't know. But if it's just a random spiky tree, I probably wouldn't hug it. Or like a pine tree, I probably wouldn't hug that. Okay, if she doesn't want to hug a tree, maybe I'll let her climb one. Maybe. Do you have a special way to deal with anxiety? Send it to parenttrapped at commonsense.org. We might feature you on an upcoming show. 
Plus, we want to hear your family screams. Okay! Yes, I actually mean yours. You know you want to scream at... I mean, with your family. Just record it on your phone and email it to us. This week's screams came from Andrew Conkling's family in Kalamazoo, Michigan. This episode was produced by me, Anne-Marie Baldonado, with Dennis Funk. Our editor is Hilary Frank. We got production help from Natalie Price. Our engineer is Pete Karam, and our theme song was composed by Casey Holford. We get editorial support from Andrea Zalenzi, Fred Graver, Jill Murphy, and Ellen Pack. Common Sense Media is a national nonprofit that rates media based on children's developmental guidelines. To learn more, visit commonsensemedia.org, where you'll find age-based ratings and reviews that are written by experts and trusted by families everywhere. Thanks to our show's founding sponsor, First Republic Bank, committed to providing you uninterrupted service. To learn more, visit firstrepublic.com today. And be sure you've subscribed to Parent Trapped on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now.